Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are halfway through the football season, and basketball is back into full swing. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus today. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Oh yeah, everybody! It's time for the memes of the weekend here on the Take It Easy podcast. I hope y'all are having a fantabulous day so far. Uh, we will award our Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award to a deserving fellow. I believe this is his second recognition for the award. We will get to that in a bit. Uh, we will also laugh at the Purdue game once again. I know we did some of that on Sunday with our boy Blake Jude, but it is so fantastic that we need to talk about that again. And uh, we will mourn the loss of our beloved campaign throughout the season in our final segment. A, a dear uh, we were hoping so desperately for an 0 and 12 Arizona, and uh, that those dreams were dashed this weekend when Cal lost 22 players and uh, lost to Arizona. So we'll talk about that more in our final segment, of course. But we begin with the funniest meme of the sports weekend, which is a twofold meme this weekend in. The Dallas Cowboys and Josh Allen. Not the Josh Allen thing where, hey, Josh Allen got sacked by Josh Allen. Josh Allen intercepted Josh Allen. Josh Allen recovered a fumble from Josh Allen. No, that was way overblown on the broadcast and it got annoying by the end on NFL Red Zone. I just want to talk about the fact that those teams lost in just the most football fashions ever. The Buffalo Bills losing a 9-6 game against the Jacksonville Jaguars was unbelievable. The Dallas Cowboys being down 30-0 against the Denver Broncos, who have not scored 30 points all season. The Broncos don't score 30 points. Teddy Bridgewater does not score 30 points. I think, I'm going to put this on the poll on our Instagram, is Teddy Bridgewater immune to scoring 30 points? Because I think that's a real thing that exists. Teddy Bridgewater does not do that, but he did. And he had a 107 passer rating. Like, the Broncos just whooped up on Dallas, and it was so funny. They had 200 rushing yards. 200 rushing yards. I kept saying all year that defense is propelled by turnovers, to mask some of your inefficiencies. And I'm not going to like just take a victory lap on this one and be like, look, 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 it took seven weeks, but eventually they had to regress. Like that was going to happen at some point. I meant over the full season, the Cowboys would regress. And I still feel good that that's going to happen. But at the same time, the Cowboys defense looked really bad (laughs) against a really average Denver Broncos offense. I know Pat Shermer, this is one of Pat Shermer's better offenses, which is, 
you know, obviously saying something because Pat Shermer has had career. The Sam Bradford's the greatest quarterback he's ever had in his career. We've been through this many a times before. Is this a week? I think this is the week when you score thirty points. This is probably the week to revisit the sad uh, labyrinth of Pat Shermer quarterbacks because it is really it's one of the best memes that we have uh, anywhere. Is is who Pat Shermer has gone his entire career with at quarterback. So he begins his first time that he was a a legitimate coach. So after he was a quarterback's coach with uh, Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia, when he finally becomes a coordinator for the first time, joins the Rams in 2009. So Sam Bradford is his quarterback, leaves to join the Cleveland Browns. Uh, And that year they drafted Colt McCoy uh, right before. So Colt McCoy played with Shermer and also Brady Quinn. Um, And then he gets fired by Cleveland after a season and a half, goes to Philadelphia Sam Bradford and Nick Foles are his two quarterbacks under Chip Kelly being the offensive coordinator. So he has one year with Foles, one year with Bradford, uh, ends up leaving to go to Minnesota where he starts off with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. They trade for Sam Bradford and Sam Bradford is his quarterback for the start of the season. Sam Bradford gets hurt. Who does he turn to? Case Keenum. So that's fun. Also, Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Bradford to Case Keenum. And uh, that was the magical year that helped get Pat Shermer his second head coaching job. Where does he go? To New York with who is his quarterback? The final falling apart season of Eli Manning. And then Daniel Jones gets fired as coach of the Giants. Who becomes his his, uh, quarterback next? Drew Locke, of course, is his next quarterback, and now he has Teddy Bridgewater. So that's uh, 13 years as an NFL coordinator. He went Sam Bradford, Colt McCoy, Brady Quinn, uh, and then goes to the Eagles, uh, Nick Foles, Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford for a third time, Case Keenum, end of Eli Manning career, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, it's not great for Pat Shermer, but this is one of Pat Shermer's best offenses of his career, other than that one great year he had with Sam Bradford on the Rams and, of course, the uh, year with Case Keenum becoming a near-MVP candidate because they had one of the best offensive lines and defenses in the NFL. So, all that to say, Denver whooped up on Dallas, and it was weird result, not one, because I picked Dallas to win, but also because it was just like every time they got close something went wrong turnover on downs right off the start like the Cowboys took the opening kick back to like the 50 yard line and then after that they went fourth foot down at the 38 didn't get it Broncos went down scored Cowboys got it fourth down didn't get it again then they punted a couple times then they started working the ball down the field they get a turnover then they go for it again on fourth down don't get it then they punt, punt, punt a bunch, and eventually it just it was weird that they still had zero, but Dak Prescott started out the game eight for twenty-three, and he ends up finishing the game eleven for sixteen. And the reason I think this is here instead of like actually doing real analysis around this game is just it happens. It happened to Aaron Rodgers against the Saints. It happened to Tom Brady against the Patriots. Sometimes you're just going to eat a poop sandwich and walk away or whatever uh, Jalen Hurts said. Sometimes you just got to let the number two go and flush it down the toilet. Like sometimes it's just going to happen even to the best quarterbacks. And I was saying it for Mahomes and then that became more of a larger trend. I don't think that's the case with Dak Prescott, especially because at the back end of the game in garbage time, he actually started playing well. 
Zeke Elliott being hurt is probably a bigger concern than getting rocked by the Denver Broncos. Well, I know they're five and four. They're not good. Don't do it. Don't you do it. Like we said with the Titans, don't you do it. The Broncos are not good. And it's going to be really hard for them to sneak into the playoffs in the AFC this year, but it's still possible. But don't you do it. Don't believe don't believe in the Broncos. Nope, don't you do it. All right, let's talk about Josh Allen now because uh, that was not great. It was not great. Um, Josh Allen had one of the worst Josh Allen moments of like waiting for old Josh Allen to come back. He's he's popped out a couple times this year. He popped out against the. I mean, he popped out against. I don't think it was the Steelers one. I think there was another game in there where old Josh Allen popped out where he didn't have a good game. But the Steelers one was one where he just got. He played a really good defense and had a game that looked like what average old Josh Allen looked like. 60% completion percentage, a couple interceptions, uh, a bunch of big passing yards, but just inaccurate deep ball thrower leading to a lot of punts was what I was kind of describing of like old Josh Allen coming back. And uh, I believe if I'm thinking back now, I think it was maybe the Dolphins game where he, yeah, the Dolphins game, he completed like 50% of his passes and had a 75 passer rating. That felt like the old Josh Allen was the second game of the year where they won like 35-0, but it felt like it wasn't the real Josh Allen. And then Josh Allen came back and had a bunch of games, 129 passer rating, 100, 139, 100. Like he's really really good after that and sometimes this is just going to happen that the old Josh Allen is going to pop out every now and then why because Josh Allen's second and third reads break down and when you don't have an established running game and you become one-dimensional sometimes that's going to happen and so Buffalo ends up getting a little exposed by a Jaguars defense that played their finest game in five years and might have even played as fine of a game as some of those top of the top uh, teams that came within eight minutes of making it to the conference championship game because people forget that's a real thing that happened that Buffalo was almost three minutes away or I'm sorry that Jacksonville was eight minutes away and up 12 against the Patriots in the AFC championship game Um, but yeah they, they were that they were that team again today so don't take anything seriously from either of those games don't take the Broncos seriously don't take the Cowboys being bad seriously don't take buffalo losing to jacksonville seriously buffalo does have flaws we saw some of them today especially on that offense because they didn't really have many options outside of just josh allen throw the ball 50 times and maybe don't turn the ball over as much as you did but even still the buffalo bills just limit turnovers maybe have some better second reads score a touchdown and you don't lose that game, all you needed to do is just score a touchdown because it's not like Jacksonville's offense was doing pretty well. I thought Trevor Lawrence was going to get hurt in that game. So tells you all you need to know about that situation. Don't take Buffalo seriously or Josh Allen seriously from this, even though Canadian Cutler got mad at me because I made a Josh Allen, old Josh Allen is back comment. Uh, Don't take Buffalo seriously. Don't take the Cowboys losing seriously. Don't take Denver seriously. Most of all, do not take the Jacksonville Jaguars or Urban Meyer seriously as he's doing finger guns after winning 9-6 to against Buffalo. Signature win that only involved nine points. Uh, what in the name of Big Ten football is this? I mean, there's just a lot of weird results like that this week. We're going to talk about one on Kirk Cousins' purgatory and to kick off 
our segment of five little things, we have this lovely transition music because the New York Giants won this week in one of these chaos games. There's like five or six chaos games this week. We'll talk about some of them coming up here on five little things. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray Right through the very heart of it Number one, are the Raiders for real? We've been asking this question many a years, are the Raiders for real? And they never are. Again, if you had told the Raiders at this point in the season they would be 5-3 and three and holding on to a wild card spot, I think that would have been a victory for the Raiders. If you would have told them John Gruden would have been fired and Henry Ruggs would be gone forever, then I think that also would have been a surprise. But... The Raiders lose to the Giants in a game that was a trappiest of trap games, I guess. Uh, There was a lot of trap games this weekend, but I thought it was interesting that uh, the Raiders just really couldn't generate offense towards the back end of the game. Their offense just went totally constipated, and it was weird because that's not what we're used to with the Raiders because Derek Carr does just enough at the end of games to win those. He's one of these like Stafford types where and Matt Ryan where he has some of the most comebacks in the final five minutes of a game in the NFL because he does just enough plays to get by at the back end of games, which is a sign that your quarterback is good enough. And Derek Carr is a good enough quarterback. It keeps him out of quarterback purgatory, even though I think he's kind of in quarterback purgatory now. Not the same quarterback purgatory that like Carson Wentz and Jimmy Garoppolo reside in, but he's still in quarterback purgatory. He's not quite tier three. And... This is how you stay out of that, is by games like that. So the Giants winning is just funny to me, because the Giants should have punted on the season, should have fired Gettleman and Judge already, test out some of your interim coaches to see if you want to hire them. And this is the thing, you're going to ride off some wins here, you're going to delay it to the end of the season, gotta just fumigate the place so that you don't have these like weird chaotic wins every now and then that keeps everyone still employed for the Giants. Just fumigate the place, get it over with, and move on. Talked about this a couple weeks ago. You had a built-in excuse when you got throttled by the Carolina Panthers. Now you've won two out of your last three and almost beat the Chiefs on Monday night. So you don't need to do this to yourselves, Giants. Just fumigate the place and start over. Number two. Uh, let's laugh a little bit at the Purdue game some more because, oh my gosh, that was so perfect. Just so perfect that Purdue pulled off the top five upset again and they play Ohio State next week. Like, I mentioned this with Stripe Hype. Like, if you tell me that you can have one top five Purdue victory when I sarcastically said on the slump buster that Iowa has to fear the Purdue game, perfect. We can make jokes out of that for a week. We can make a slump buster video that goes viral with 500 views and we can laugh about it on the podcast. 
you give me two Purdue games, and now that's just gravy. We can make two podcasts out of that. We can have two segments on two different podcasts about the Purdue game because it's perfect. If you give me three, I I don't ask for a lot, sports god or whatever else is out there. But if I'm going to test my luck, please let Purdue beat Ohio State this weekend. I don't ask for much. Let the spoiler makers, which is a great name the internet has dubbed them, please let the spoiler makers pull this one off. Please. Please. Number three, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. We we adopted them as a uh, row, row the boat team again when P.J. Fleck was almost in the college football playoff conversation back in 2019, and I watched them from my college dorm room as a freshman beat Penn State, who was at the time ranked number four, and they got to jump into the top ten, and college game day went to Minnesota, and it was snowing, and I could just scream row the boat at the top of my lungs because it felt like 2016 Western Michigan all over again, which is one of my favorite college football teams of all time with P.J. Fleck rowing the boat, and getting his teams motivated by shoving an oar up his asshole. Uh, You have no idea whether that's real or not, but I encourage you to Google PJ Fleck oar, and uh, that will explain his obsession with rowing boats and oars, even though he has never played for a team that has uh, had a boat or nautical connotation in them. He's a gopher, and he's a bronco, but he really loves oars. So Minnesota was once again in a position where they controlled their own destiny to win the Big Ten West, and they lost to Illinois. And we laughed about this already with Stripe Hype about the Illinois schedule, but Illinois this year has three top 25 victories against Nebraska, against number 8 Penn State, and number 20 Minnesota, and they've also lost to Rutgers. And they've also lost to Utes, uh, meet, meet, motherfuckers. Uh, I can bleep that out later, maybe. But meet, meet, Utes, uh, still undefeated. One of like five undefeateds left in college football and somehow unranked by the playoff committee. Meet, meet. Uh, They've lost to them. They lost by 28 to Virginia. It's been a weird year for Illinois. And uh, they they might have three top 25 wins and not make a bowl game. Purdue is probably going to make a bowl game, but there is still a scenario where they beat two top five teams and not make a bowl game. Or even better, they make it to like the Foster Farms Bowl or they play in the, the, I don't know, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That would just be perfect if they just end up in the Duke's Mayo Bowl while destroying their entire conference. I think that's why we gravitate to Purdue so much. Purdue are anarchists. They just love to watch the world burn by destroying Penn State or destroying Iowa and destroying Michigan State and pretty, pretty pleased destroying Ohio State this weekend. It would be just perfect. So beautifully perfect. And then let them make the Big Ten title game so that they can then ruin, I don't know, Michigan's season or something. I don't know. Just let that happen. Pretty, pretty please. Somehow. Number four, the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll give them some some shout here. They beat up on Missouri this week, but the thing that I found hilarious was uh, the fact that Kirby Smart yelled into a hot mic on the broadcast when the uh, the referee turned on his microphone to announce a penalty, and Kirby Smart screamed a giant F word into the microphone. Ineligible receiver downfield. 
I love that sound so much. It just tickles me every single time I hear it. It's fantastic. It's just Kirby Smart going. I like to imagine that the referee has like an earpiece in and can hear the broadcast. And so he hears like Kirby just drop the massive F-bomb as he gets static in his ear. But he just continues with the call anyways where he's just like trying to ignore that that's a thing that happened because it's fantastic comedic timing that you just hear the giant curse and then immediately get the illegal man downfield call. Love it. It just tickles me every time. This is why memes of the weekend is fun. It just it just tickles me every single time I hear it. It's fantastic. Number five. Alabama, because Alabama and LSU played a uh, thrilling 20-14 to 14 game uh, that I did not watch a second of, but I did see Ed Orgeron holding up the double L's at the end, which I'm guessing has something to do with LSU, but the No Context College Football account, which is excellent, had just the photo of them losing and him holding up the two L's as if he was like taunting himself or taunting Alabama because they only lost by six and then at the end Nick Saban basically saying like if we didn't have if we weren't playing a dumber coach we probably would have lost that game because Alabama probably would have lost that game that they only won by six points against LSU and had to scrap out and no one on that team's winning Heisman this year so it leaves us in a void of what do we do in that situation so if you look up the no context college football account there's a bunch of great content there but specifically Ed Orgeron holding up the double L's as he walked out it's people were uh, pointing to how it's like Richard Nixon pointing to the sky after he uh, resigns and he's on the tarmac um that seems like totally the nixon doing the peace out at the end is kind of what ed orgeron looks like like this is ed orgeron going out flamboyantly as his last stand as lsu coach even though he won a championship and uh was also just a terrible person in general ignoring sexual harassment and sexual assault on his campus because ed orgeron was not equipped for those things so yeah all of that to say lsu are Ed Orgeron holding up double L's after covering the spread against Alabama. Chef's kiss on the end of the Ed Orgeron era at LSU. It is the time of week where we award our memorial Philip Rivers slash Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award of the Week. Every single week during the NFL season, we award a quarterback who found themselves in a predicament at the end of games as we like to call Philip Rivers Purgatory, which is now adopted as Kirk Cousins Purgatory because five times this year, Kirk Cousins has won this award uh, and probably should have won it last week as well along with Carson Wentz so about five with a, another second place finish for our buddy Kirk Cousins this week though we have uh, an undisputed winner which is Matt Ryan for the second time in three weeks and first person well he's now officially second in our list of Kirk Cousins purgatory award winners he is second with two wins this season, only behind the man Kirk Cousins himself with five Kirk Cousins Philip Rivers Purgatory Awards already bestowed this year. 
Matt Ryan uh, had a 24-23 game, or sorry, 25-24 game. They were at one point winning 24 to six or 24 to seven against the Saints. Apologies, they were up 24-7 with eight minutes left to go, and they gave up a 17-point lead in six minutes in true Falcons fashion, but. This is no longer the Atlanta Falcons of yesteryear. No, this is a post-Atlanta sports curse Falcons who, after giving up an 18-point lead in six minutes, which, by the way, the Falcons have not done this year. I don't know if that was a Dan Quinn thing or whatever, but Arthur Smith has not given up a gigantic lead this year and lost in a chaotic fashion, which the Falcons did like seven or eight times last year, although... In one-score games, the Atlanta Falcons had the longest streak in the NFL with five consecutive losses, which means the Atlanta Falcons are either unlucky or cursed or somewhere in between because maybe it's a mindset thing. Who knows? Even though most of the players from the Super Bowl team are gone at this point. Matt Ryan on the first play after giving up a 17-point lead in six minutes with one timeout left and a minute to go, fired a 60-yard pass to Cordero Patterson, allowing them to run out the clock and kicking a game-winning field goal with the best kicker in the NFL. I am, of course, talking about Young Wei Koo. Bangs home the game winner for the Atlanta Falcons, and they walk away beating the New Orleans Saints by a final of 27-25. to So congratulations to the Atlanta Falcons for a comeback, a comeback victory. They are really fighting for that 7-10 record this year in the the NFC South. Congratulations to the Falcons. Another one of these chaos results from the weekend. Falcons winning at the Superdome, weird result. The fact that they were up 17 and dominating, also weird. The fact that Zacchaeus... And Cordero Patterson are dominating that entire offense when they spent the number four pick on Kyle Pitts. Also kind of weird. So the Falcons winning that was weird. We talked about the Giants. That was a weird result. Uh, we laughed at the Broncos. That was a weird result. Uh, the the Broncos, Cowboys, and Bills, Jaguars. Ridiculously weird result. So many weird games. The Titans-Rams game was ridiculously weird this week. So many chaotic results that throw everything into the loop. But the good news is we don't judge teams based on one-week results, right? We, we take it over a large sample size, sometimes not even pay attention to the records. Know that the teams are pretty good, and the Titans, who are 7-2, are not actually good enough to win anything significant in the AFC, not with Derrick Henry or without Derrick Henry, because that defense is just not good enough, although Matthew Stafford made it very easy for them on Sunday Night Football. And this is technically recorded before the game ends, so if the Rams had a miraculous comeback after I uh, turned off, then LOL. It would be perfect for memes of the weekend as we mail in the final five minutes of our two hours worth of Monday podcasts. (laughs) Mailing it in just a little bit here, little bit as I preemptively roast the Los Angeles Rams for a chaos result. This is a, a little bit of a somber note, as we mentioned off the top. Arizona did indeed win. They could not defy 
the Pac-12 being the Pac-12, that no team is allowed to go 12-0 and or 0-12 in the Pac-12. But the University of Arizona gave it their best shot, and it only took a 3-6 and Cal team that lost 20 of their starters due to COVID protocol to prevent the Arizona Wildcats from having a winless season. So for the first time since October 5th, of 2019, the Arizona Wildcats have won a college football game. Over two full seasons, the Arizona Wildcats went without winning a game. They also win on their home field. So congratulations, Arizona. It took a home game with all FCS players and beating the backup team for a 3-6 and six Cal team. But you guys did indeed get a win this week. So how did the rest of the Pac-12 bleep things up for me in a happier mood, I suppose? Remember that Oregon State team we talked about for a couple of weeks? Yeah, you remember Oregon State when they pulled an upset against Stanford immediately after they uh, beat Oregon, and then they beat Utah when Utah was first place in the Pac-12 South two weeks ago. Well, last week they were the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 North, the team that was picked to finish 5th out of 6th in that division, had a path to get to the championship, and uh, it involved beating Oregon, so it would have been a long shot, but this is the Pac-12. Any kind of chaos result can happen at any given moment. And Oregon State then became the Mountain, and they succumbed to being the Mountain because they lost to that same shitty 3-6 and six Cal team last week, as we talked about last week, on how the Pac-12 and ACC bleeped things up for themselves. And this week, Oregon State lost to a 2-6 and six Colorado Buffaloes team that is truly terrible, but even Colorado has a couple of chaos results in them. They were the last team to join the mix, because other than Arizona, they were also sitting at the very bottom of the Pac-12. Welcome to the mix, Colorado. You have finally gotten to pull off an upset this year in how the Pac-12 and ACC just bleep things over. You tried to be bad. You usually are pretty bad, but this time, Colorado, in double overtime nonetheless, you get to be the team that knocks Oregon State down. So Oregon State's now the team that gets to be the spoiler, and next week they play, oh, what do you know, a a three-win Stanford team. Of course they do. Uh, Then they play Arizona State, who's bowl eligible, so they can, now Oregon State goes from being the mountain to now getting to be the spoilers. Uh, Utah dominated Stanford 52-7. to Stanford is 3-6, and six, and one of those wins is against Oregon, who is currently in the college football playoff. I don't understand it at all. Uh, Oregon won, by the way. Uh, no chaos result for USC. They just stink. They lost to Arizona State. Uh, maybe they'll get a chaos result next week, though. USC plays, and nope, they play Cal. So not really a chaos result territory, but... USC is terrible. Maybe they'll beat UCLA in a few weeks. Now we move to the ACC. Uh, Wake Forest was the mountaintop for two weeks. It was Pitt last week. Pitt lost to uh, Miami. They have got to the mountain. They were undefeated. The last beacon of hope for the ACC to make the college football playoff. They, As we mentioned with Stripe Hype, they gave up 343 yards against North Carolina. We already laughed at that result. Let's laugh at some of the other results in this conference. Uh, remember... Clemson, uh, they almost lost to Louisville this week, which would have been a weird upset on their part. 
Uh, Georgia Tech was winning against Miami before Miami led a fourth quarter comeback to avoid being the team that beat NC State ranked opponent, beat Pitt ranked opponent. They stay alive uh, for some kind of nice little bowl game consolation prize to save Manny Diaz's job. They play Florida State next week. That is prime for upset territory for them. And finally, Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech wasn't quite the mountaintop, but Virginia Tech was a team that was kind of sputtering a little bit. They needed a little pick-me-up turnaround, and uh, they got it last week by beating Georgia Tech. So that was a nice little boost for them. And then they played Boston College, who had lost four consecutive games, and Boston College won. So congrats to Walter's Boston College team for breaking the four-game losing streak by beating the Virginia Tech team that was feeling good about themselves coming off of an upset win against Georgia Tech, which we highlighted last week. And this week, Virginia Tech gets to be losers once again by helping Boston College break their losing streak. Virginia Tech broke their losing streak with an upset. Now Boston College breaks Virginia Tech's, or Virginia Tech's gets to be the team that breaks someone else's losing streak. And they'll maybe start a new one, or maybe they'll just come in next week and they'll win against Duke. Nah, they'll lose that game, but who knows? The, the, the ACC Coastal is designed for you to lose the home game against Duke where you're a 10-point favorite because that's how the ACC Coastal works. So, Oregon's the last beacon of hope for any kind of success for that conference. Maybe we should uh, put them together in a bowl game like the Cotton Bowl this year where we put, I don't know, and I think all ACC and Pac-12 teams should play each other. We'll mix in a couple Big Ten West teams at this point. Should the Big Ten West get to be back in the mix now that Purdue's pulled off the back-to-back upsets? Do they get to be in the mix of laughing at them again? Because Minnesota, we laughed at them earlier. Purdue, two of our five funniest things, five little things, was Big Ten West related. So maybe this would be the time for the Big Ten West to be welcomed into the mix. Because... For those who are new to the proceedings, the joke we used to make years ago is that the Big Ten West, the ACC Coastal, and the Pac-12 are the most cursed conferences in all of college sports and really all of any sport. And this year, the Pac-12 just took things to a new, like, blowtorching level of craziness. And the ACC lost Clemson at the top, which created a power vacuum that no one knew what to do with. So... The ACC is behaving as usual. The Pac-12 is on steroids this year. The Big Ten West wasn't as weird. You know, Iowa was ranked number two. Wisconsin was having a bad year, which was weird. But now everything is sorting itself out. It's going to be Iowa and Wisconsin at the top. It's going to be Purdue pulling upsets by being the spoiler makers. Minnesota is going to have an above 500 record. Nebraska is going to be ass. Nebraska's one in six. I talked about that. I found that out while we were live with our boy Stripe Hype. I was like, oh no, Nebraska. I'm so sorry. I didn't know things had fallen that hard for you guys. Yeah, Scott Frost's probably going to get fired, isn't he? Doesn't solve the problems at Nebraska, but there's nothing you can do to fix the problems at Nebraska now. You play in a terrible recruiting base. You don't have a powerhouse. You have to build something at Nebraska. And you play in the Big Ten West. Nothing I can do to help you there. Also, Texas sucks. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Memes of the Weekend pod here on Take It Easy. Download NFL Monday. Download Wired Up. Download 
our episode with Morgan from Australia last week. If you want Henry Ruggs talk, we did a great job around that, I feel like. So deep, nuanced conversation twice last week. You can go back and find those and be on the lookout for episodes on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. Thank you for stopping in, everybody. I love and appreciate each and every one of you. And as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Hope you got a little laugh out of this podcast here with us. See you next time. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New York These vagabond shoes Are longing to stray